Kaprizov shoots it deflected right in. Peter Angelo save rebound. Stasty stopped by Peter Angelo. I don't believe that save. Even as Peter Stasty. He can't believe the save that Peter Angelo just made on him as Frankie Sparkly. Now that maneuver there to stop and rob Peter Stasty. He should get 5 to 10 for that. Hello and welcome to episode 102 of Tendy Talk, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the BLPA Podcast Networks. I'm your host, Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. Surprise! I said there probably wouldn't be a podcast this week. Then, I went and scheduled this one. This week, I chat with stand-up comedian, Stanley Cup winner, Chicago youth hockey-turned-hometown hero, Scott Darling. We cover a lot of topics this episode, so without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Scott. Well, Scott, thanks for joining me on Tendy Talk. It's uh, fun to get you on here to uh, kick off the 2023 uh, episodes as we roll into a new year. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I've heard good things about your podcast. Uh Uh-oh, you've heard good things. I I don't want to know who they came from because they're probably live, son. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's it's kind of fun for me to get you on the podcast because I'm a Chicago kid, too. Grew up on the south side. Played for St. Jude, uh, you know. Oh, no shit. I, Where are you from? Uh, I'm from the Beverly Mount Greenwood neighborhood. Grew up right behind Popeye's and Pops there on uh, 100th yeah, yeah. and So, yeah, so it was kind of fun to uh, get another Chicago fellow on, uh, although I live in Minnesota these days and, uh, you know, where hockey is life up here. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's fun to get you on. And uh, the one thing I, I like to start off with everybody, though, is ask, how did you get started in the game of hockey? You know, you, you moved around a little bit early on and as a kid because your dad was in the uh, armed forces. You know, so how, how did hockey become part of your life? Um, yeah, I was lucky enough. Uh, my dad was a goalie. So when I was a kid <laughs> growing up, uh, when he was stationed, in, we were just outside of Seattle, like near Tacoma in Washington State. I watched him as a kid, like playing hockey. And I just fell in love with it. You know, you always want to like, you know, impress your dad. Right. So, yeah, uh, I, I kind of picked up him and like, he was my goalie coach my entire life. Um, and so that's how I got into it. Well, and that answers the, the next obvious question then is why goalie? Well, be, because of dad. Yeah. Well, dad and the gear. I love yeah. the gear. <laughs> yeah. And that's no secret, you know, when we look at all of the great sets you had over your NHL career. And then, you know, let, let's look back a little further to to your time with Timo Inouye and, and that Brian set with the TI logo all over it. Yeah, my I was very fortunate. My dad spoiled me. Um, <laughs> and that was the start of my, like, hockey gear, like, love that TI set you're talking about. And Brian's, I think it was, like, seven when I got those. And I was been Brian's till I died my whole career. Because they're a great company and they took care of me the entire time. Well, and that TI set, let's not ignore the fact that the TI logo has probably the worst representation of the state of Illinois on there. And yet they still haven't updated it. Like I, I get when they first came up with it, it was probably, you know, a like clip art from 1988, but th- they could update it and modernize it a little bit. They absolutely could, but yeah, that uh, has, like you said, has, has not changed, and I, I, I'll never forget, that was like a Christmas gift that my, my parents got me, those pads, and the blocker, like, it, when you're young, I was like seven or eight when I got those, but that was a sick, sick setup. Yeah, and 
it probably helped that dad was a goalie, uh, convincing mom that, yeah, that this should be a Christmas present for you because most parents, they'd be like, ah, I don't know. But dad being a goalie, like, no, he needs this custom set, not only custom, but like your own graphic and everything else. That Dad probably helped in that that regard. Yeah. Right? With dad being a goalie, it was it was nice for me if he ever got like a work bonus. He's like, okay, new gear. Like, let's go. Like <laughs> he loved it. He like kind of lived vicariously through me, like in my my route to the NHL. Um, but I was very lucky and I, I always told my parents, it's like I don't want Christmas gifts. Spoil my sisters, like you guys do enough for mm-hmm. me during the during the year, like getting me hockey. And I grew very fast too. So like had to like keep upgrading the size of my equipment. So it cost him a, a shekler too. So uh, I, I was very lucky. I, I remember, I think I was a, a peewee uh, playing for St. Jude and I was wearing some old Cooper Durasoft pads. And on one practice, my knee was just below the top of the pad. And the next day at practice, when to put the pads on, my knee was now above the pad. And I didn't practice that day because we then got in the car and drove up to Gunzo's to get me some new leg pads. My dad was like, thought I had a few, couple more weeks, but no, look, looks like we're going pad shopping today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, those uh, fun trips and got good. going up to Gunzo's when they, before Jerry's and some of those other shops around it. That, that was the place to go for a while. Yeah, yeah, I had a couple trip uh, trips to Gunzo's to get. I got those TPS contour pads there. Mm. Um, one of my favorites. That's one of the best gloves I've ever had. I actually modeled my Brian's glove off the TPS contour glove um, that I have, that I played with. Uh, that was my favorite glove I've ever had. The hardest a piece of equipment I ever find that I liked was the glove. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the set you see behind me, I got kissed last year. Um, and it replaced that. Had that some of that that I bought in 1999. Um, and I, I, I'm the kind of guy I'm going to stick with something until it just falls apart, in part because I'm cheap. But as I was looking at different things, it was the glove. Like I looked at every line, you know, for about five, six years and finding the right glove. And finally, I'm like, I'm not going to find anything that isn't just like the one I'm using now. So uh, w- when I went to, to put the order in, I, I talked to Ev over at uh vaughn and told him you know what, what glove i was wearing he's like okay yeah we, we can get it as close as possible in today's specs because they had changed a little while since you know 1999 but uh yeah it's just the feel of that glove it's it's so special to a, a goaltender i think it, it can ruin an entire set if the glove doesn't work right yeah, I blame most of the goals I let in on uh, bad gloves. But <laughs> no, uh, yeah. but like I, I played baseball my whole life. So like I like the feel of like a, you know, just like a flappy, like like a baseball yeah. glove. And I remember my first year with the Hurricanes and Brian's is great. They took care of me. They're the best. Jaws, the best rep ever. I think I put them through 13 different gloves before <laughs> I settled on one because <laughs> like new pads, Walker, I can wear, I can step right into it and play a game with that, but the glove is like the one thing. Cause like, I wasn't that good at goaltending. Right. So I needed help uh, to like, make sure <laughs> I caught it. My biggest problem is I'd pop them back out, out of my gloves. So I was uh, pretty particular about my gloves. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. Um, now, one of the it it doesn't surprise me that you you like to tinker with your equipment and your uh is some some people on different message boards would 
from both of us uh, in your words because, you know, it's important to us. There, there is another goalie that we both grew up idolizing that was the same way, Eddie Belfour. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he had he was known for literally breaking down his equipment. Um, in fact, I, I had him on the podcast with uh, his son, Dane, and I asked him about those iconic uh, Bauer reactors he wore that uh, the, the kid from Canada is recreating right now in the black and white stripes. And as the story went, when he first got them, they were all white and he thought it was too much. So he got a Sharpie out and added the black lines. It's like, is this true, Eddie? And he kind of laughed and goes, yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, but you had the opportunity to actually sit down with them and talk to them uh, when you were with the Hawks. I mean, what was that like for a kid that just grew up loving them? Yeah, I mean, he was my idol growing up. Uh, I loved the way, like, like he was like a chippy, aggressive goaltender. And like, I feel like I was kind of the same way. Like, don't stand in my crease. Like, he'd hack in the back of the knees. Like, I loved him. I idolized him growing up. And it was very cool when I was playing for the Blackhawks that I got to actually interview him. And to speak about those pads, he was telling me in the interview, he used to like break his pads down so that the rebounds would drop. They wouldn't mm-hmm. like pop off. Like nowadays with the, like the modern gear, rebounds shoot like off here, right. like that. But he's like, I would break him down so the puck just died in front of me so I could cover it kind of thing. And I was like, well, that's like a unique take. I mean, it's different uh, from when I played when he played, but he was great. And I played with Dane when I was younger too. Um, so I've, I've known them for a long time and it's very cool to get to interview him. Now, <laughs> when I when I watched that interview, I had uh visions of chris farley interviewing uh paul mccartney like re- remember, remember <laughs> yeah, that yeah, time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh and you could see how red in the face i was too because i was just like so nervous i'm like wait i'm the one on the blackhawks like i shouldn't be nervous but uh you know it's you know you meet your heroes and it's it's uh i was it was my first probably interview i've ever done either so uh, it was very cool. And he's, he's great. He's a great guy. And, you know, like I said, I played with Dane when I was a kid and, uh, I've known them for a long time. You know, it's funny. They always say, don't meet your heroes because then you realize they're just regular people. Mm-hmm. And when I had him on the podcast, like I was worried about that, you know, because like I, I grew up in peak Eddie Balfour era, I'm an 81 birth year. And so it's like, yeah, I, you know, he, he was my guy. Um, and then I had him and Dane on at the same time. And it was funny because I've talked to other people. I had him on the podcast. And I'm like, well, he's, he's a little stiff and everything else. It's like, oh, you know, yeah, he, he doesn't know me. But Dane, Dane logs in first. And so him and I were talking about skating at Southwest Ice Arena because he played for St. Jude too, and going to Hockey Unlimited across the street. And the old guy, Linus, who worked there, he was a goalie. So they catered to goalies and we're talking. And Eddie logs in. And for like two minutes, we don't even acknowledge him. <laughs> it's just Dane and I going back and forth. And then Dane's like, Oh, hi, dad. How are you? <laughs> He's like, I, I was wondering if you guys wanted me for this episode or what, but it was like, because of that, it just kind of like tore down whatever wall he had before he came in and yeah. it just totally opened up. And I, I think we talked for darn near an hour and a half. And then they said, I'm not a whiskey drinker, but they still sent me some of their whiskey and my, mom liked it when she was still around. So I, I made sure she got some of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll never forget. Like I went to a CYA tryout when I was a kid. That's where I met Dane for the first time and he was wearing, uh, Ed was playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And mm-hmm. so Dane showed up in Toronto Maple Leafs gear, like mask, you know, pads and all this stuff. And they were oversized for him. And I was like, who the heck is this guy? And, and they're like, oh, that's Dane Bell for him. I'm like, 
Ed Belfort's son. And I mean, obviously I won the job, but uh, we've, we've been <laughs> friends ever since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll just glad sort of the fact that, yeah, you, 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 you beat him out. You, you got the job. Um, so it, it was funny. Most of the time I, I come up with a few little notes, but for you, you know, being a Chicago kid, some of the same rinks and everything, like I, I just have a whole list of things. So I might be all over the place, but you know, that that's how us goalies are. We, we are all over the place. Yeah. We're um, not normal. No, too, too many hockey pucks to the head. I, I like to say, that's right. Um, I was saying on the last episode, you know, every now and then I'll tell people, yeah, I, I've had six concussions, but I put up the seven fingers to see how quickly they pick that one up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I think is really cool about you is, you know, you had a journey to get to the NHL and it, it was a hell of a journey. You know, you spend two years at Maine, you leave there for different reasons, and then you toil in the mate in the minors, unlike any other goalie I've seen toiling in the minors up and down all around. Um, but part of, part of that was, you know, you, you had a party side to you. And yeah. you've been you've been forthcoming with that. And at some point you said, OK, enough is enough. Uh, enough of the Lonnie Kai. Enough, you know, enough times out partying. You wanted to get serious. Um, how important was the support of your family at that time? And I asked that because I, I think there's a lot of young goalies who with hockey, the culture is, you know, let's go out and have a couple beers after the game. Doesn't matter if we're old enough, um, you know. And then, then there's the the parents that'll on tournament weekends they'll, they'll have their Yeti Cup, and we all know it, it's not iced tea in there. There's other stuff in there. It, it's part of the hockey culture, drinking. And you said, no, I'm still going to be a hockey player. I'm still going to live the hockey culture, but I don't need that in my life. How much support, not only of your your family but your teammates? How important was that? when you make um, decision. Yeah, I mean my family's great, you know, it's uh I've obviously talked about it when I was 21 playing at Maine, it like kind of got away from me. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, you're out of school, you don't have a degree. The only thing that I'm good at is playing hockey and possibly stand-up comedy. <laughs> and so, um I had to make the choice. I was like, you know, all my eggs are in one basket. It's like I know I can be a great goaltender. I need to like take this away so that mm -hmm. I can really like focus on what is the best for me to be the best player I can be to have a life like, you know, cause other than I'd be pumping gas if like I didn't play hockey. So, um, I made that decision when I was 21. Um, and it was a, it was a ride, you know, I played for so many minor league teams, but like, I'm a hustler, like even, you know, the way I approach my, you know, path to the NHL, I do that with the rest of my life too. It's like, uh, I just got that mindset in and I was like, you know, tell me I'm not going to do something. I'll do it 10 times better than you think I'm going to do. Um, and so just grinded like four years in the minors, like 17 stops along the way. And then finally made it to the Blackhawks. Now you make that, I'll call it the homecoming. You, you, you get called up to the Hawks that call home to mom and dad saying, not only I'm getting called up, to the NHL, but I'm getting called up to the Hawks. I mean, all right, I got two stories for it. <laughs> so, um, 
I was, I, I used to train in Boston uh, with Brian Decord, did that for like 13 summers at stop at goaltending. Mm-hmm. And I was coming out of my season playing the AHL with the Admirals. And uh, I turned down like a contract to re-sign with the Admirals because I was like the best goal in the AHL that year. I was like, I'm going to wait to see what my options are. All of a sudden, every team in the NHL came calling. And I got the call from the Blackhawks. And I was like, I don't give a S word how much you're going to pay me. Like, I'm absolutely signing with the Blackhawks. <laughs> so I pulled over. I pulled over. I called my dad. My dad's like the biggest Blackhawks fan ever. I was like, are you sitting down? And he's like, why? He's like, who died? I'm like, sit down. I was like, dude, I just signed an effing contract with the Chicago Blackhawks. And he cried forever. <laughs> um, and then my, my, and I was like, keep in mind, I'm going to be like the four string goalie, like this starting off because Michael Layton was in front of me mm-hmm. in Rockford. And then the other story is the first call up, we were playing the Toronto uh, Marlies and the equipment manager came up to me and Mike and was like, don't throw your stuff in the laundry. Like one of you is going to Chicago. And I'm like, I threw my stuff in the laundry. Like it's going to be late. It's like, um, and, and they come back and they're like, Darvs, get in here. I'm like, what? Like, you're calling me up over Michael Layton? Like, and they rushed me to the plane. I had to, we did a pregame skate. It was like 11 and I had to be in Chicago to be a backup by like six. And they rushed me through the airport. I was like, first class, like all this stuff. I was like, oh my God, what's happening? I called my parents on the way. I'm like, Oh, I'm actually going to play. I'm going to be on the bench for the Blackhawks tonight. <laughs> and so my whole family rushed to the game. So it was very, very cool. So gr- growing up a Hawks fan, you're going to the games. You know what a game at the United Center is like. But that first one when you're in uniform, down on the bench, what was that like? It was it was something, man. Like and not even a because the first time I came up, I only sat on the bench for a few games and play. And then the second time I came up when Corey got hurt, um, it was funny because like I, I got the start and I, I was playing against um, Craig Anderson, who's also a Chicago kid. Yeah. Um, it's like the first time the two Chicago kids had faced off the United Center. And I knew I was going to be on TV during the anthem and I tried not to cry. I cried <laughs> so hard. Like I was, I was like leaking tears. Like I saw the video after it was like, God damn it. Um, but uh, no, it was, it was emotional. It's like, you know, it's everything you dream of um, being a Chicago kid, being a huge Hawks fan. And all of a sudden you're on the ice, you know, after, you know, 20 years of like trying to get there. Um, it was very special. And I mean, not only being on the ice, but being in the locker room, you know, when you start going through the names that were on that roster at that time, so far there's one Hall of Famer, but we know there's quite a few more that are on that roster. (laughs) Yeah, that was was another hurdle I had to like overcome because I I got in there. I'm like, Corey Crawford's like, I'm like, I bow down to him, you know what I mean? And then... And so the first like month I was there, I kind of stared at my shoelaces. Like I didn't say anything. I just tried to do my job, go to work, get in, get off and out. And, uh, and, uh, but they were all great people like Kane Taves and all, you know, Duncan Keith, Jalmerson, you name it, Patrick Sharp. And they were great. They really, you know, brought me into their community. And so eventually I got over the, the stardom, the fandom of yeah. uh, being a Hawks fan, joining the team. Well, and I, I've heard it with some other goalies too, where 
you almost have that impersonator syndrome. Like, I, I don't belong here. Look, look at all these guys. I don't belong here, but you do. Um, there, there's a reason they brought you in. They, they felt you belonged there. Yeah, but I, I especially did, I think, because I came from the Southern Pro League. Like, yeah. you know, I have that, like, identity is like a glorified beer goalie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and well, the so, beer doesn't help. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, it took me a while to, like, um, feel like, you know what? I, I am here. I have, I deserve to be here. I have earned it. And I'm one of the guys. It took me like, I'd probably say like two months to like get over that little identity crisis and, and realize that I, I earned the right to be there. Now you mentioned playing alongside one of the greatest goalies in Hawks history. I mean, Corey Crawford, uh, yeah, the most underrated. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll get to that next, but Publicly, Corey Crawford comes off as this quiet, reserved guy. But I know in talking to different people in the locker room, that's not the Corey Crawford you guys know. What kind of guy is Corey Crawford as your goalie partner? Corey Crawford is the best. He is, like like you said, from you when you look from the outside, he comes mm-hmm. off stale with media. Like, he doesn't like attention or, like, talk right. about like media and stuff. But within the room, we're like, you know, just as a teammate, a friend, like he is, he's hilarious and he is the nicest person. I'll give you the shirt off his back. Like he's the nicest guy. Mm-hmm. And I think he is the most underrated goaltender in the history of the last 15 years because he doesn't get, I mean, I saw from the outside and getting to play with him for three years. He is incredible. Like he was the backbone of our team and he just didn't get the recognition because you got the names like Kane, Taves, yeah. Jomerson, Keith, Seabrook like overshadowing hit him, but we had the, the most high danger shots in the league all yep. three years when I was there. And he was the silent backbone of our team. Well, first of all, he gave the greatest Stanley cup speech yeah. at Grand Park. Um, yeah. I so wish I would have gotten it. Somebody made a t-shirt where it was his entire speech, but they did it so that the, the words were in the shape of the Stanley Cup, just the greatest speech. And I think that's when fans are like, you know what? I think there's more to his personality than than we get to see on a nightly basis. Uh, but you're right in that he's underrated. I, I forget who I was listening to the one time. They said, if you look at his numbers next to Henrik Lundqvist's numbers, they're identical. And everybody says Henrik is a first ballot Hall of Famer. But when you bring yeah. up Corey Crawford, they go, oh, I don't know, you know. Is the guy's got two Stanley Cups. Henrik's got zero. Um, you know, and they say, well, look, look at the team in front of him. But to your point, the high danger shots, and and I've had this conversation with other people too, is you need a goalie like Corey Crawford to win those games because a goalie like him gives your team the confidence to take those chances to score the goals they did. Four of those home run passes from deep in your zone to catch Patrick Kane streaking across the blue line. You know, you're not making those passes if you don't got a goalie like Corey Crawford in that. And I, I think Chris Osgood is almost like the Corey Crawford of the er, you know, mid nineties, same, same discussion. He, he's got great numbers and everybody says, well, look at the team he was on. Um, and unfortunately I think that's what, what hurts those two guys in those discussions of great goaltenders. Yeah. But they, both of them, they always made the big saves at the key times. Yeah. Like, uh, and they just, neither of them got the recognition for that. So uh, I, I'm I'm outwardly like trying to get Corey Crawford in the Hall of Fame. Like he was the best goalie I've ever played with, ever seen, and I I think he needs a little more clout. 
he he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and num- number fifty deserves to be hanging from the rafters. Yeah, um, it, there there's no doubt about it. And when we talk the Mount Rushmore of Blackhawks goalies, we got Hall, Esposito, Belfour, and Crawford. Yeah, that's the Mount Rushmore right there. You know, but because of personality, like you're peeking over their shoulders, photobombing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but like if the, they ever make that Mount Rushmore, just put a little. Like on the bottom, a little darling on there. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but you know, we talk about those guys. But I think what's really cool about Blackhawk fans is they embrace the grinders and the hustlers. You know, that, that's why a guy like Andrew Shaw is beloved. That's why they loved you. I mean, first of all, you were from Chicago, so the Chicagoans we love anybody from Chicago that plays for our team. Doesn't matter how good they are. Um, that's why a guy like Dan Pasco was loved by White Sox fans. Um, <laughs> but for years, we're going to be able to walk into the United Center and we're going to see 33 on the backs of fans because, of, you know, you were from Chicago, but they loved your grind, your hustle, and maybe what you did in Nashville, um, th- that, that comes in handy too yeah i think you might see the jersey just because it's on discount at walmart um <laughs> you know in that five dollar bin um but yeah they're still lingering around <laughs> yeah well it, i i just think hawk fans really love those hard-working guys well, it's, uh it's, and, it's, and it's like that. you're from chicago you know it's like uh it's just a blue collar like hard-working community that we have mm-hmm. here and yep. You know, that's just the way it is. And they, like you said, they embrace, you know, the guys who are like maybe not making $9 million a year, just like showing up, doing your job. And like, you know, I, I joke that like the guys who play for Chicago, like you become like a Chicagoan. Like mm-hmm. you just put your nose down, go to work, do your job and like do the best you can. And uh, all the guys who I play with and I, I still now as a broadcaster, I still am connected with like the team. Um that you just turn into like a blue collar hard worker when you come and play for the Hawks. Yeah. Well, and it, it's hard not to realize that it's a blue collar town when you pull up to the United Center in the neighborhood it's in. Now, granted, it's gotten a heck of a lot better than the Chicago Stadium days, but it's still not a great neighborhood. And these guys, they pull up and they're like, these are the people we're, we're playing for. These, you know, these people are spending a pretty penny, you know, for some of them, it could be half their paycheck to come to a game. And I, I, I think that rubs off on them. Yeah. It's a, you know, uh, like I said, I can speak for myself. I can speak for the guys that I played with where it's like, it's like a badge of honor. Like you see it, like when you, like you said, when you pull up to United center, it's like these people are, it's a packed house like every night. And, you know, like you said, they're spending maybe half their paycheck to come to a game. It's like, you got to show up. Yep. Like, let's go. It's, it's motivating. It's, it's inspirational. When you're like going on the ice, like let's go, like let's have the best game we can have, you know, not only for yourself but for the city, because yep. it's it's a big deal here. Well, one of my buddies that I grew up with, born and raised on the south side in Oaklawn, he somehow was a lifelong Red Wing fan. Uh, and I remember when, yeah, I know we we never liked him for that, but uh, that aside, he's he's a good kid. Um, but when the Blackhawks were in their first Stanley Cup run, I, I was on the phone with him. He's he was having that like existential moment. Like I'm from Chicago. I see how hard this team is working. Like I should 
be embracing them with the rest of the city. But as a Red Wings fan, I can. He's like, what's wrong with me? He's like, well, what's wrong with you is you're a dirty Red Wings fan. Um, and he's like, yeah, I know. I, I expect that from you. But even he understood that that that's the city right there. It's what you, what you saw in those three Stanley Cup teams. And it's funny because he now is one of the top marketing people at Goose Island Bruin. And now that they have that Blackhawks pale ale, yeah. he, was, he happened to be in a video sitting down with Danny Wirtz talking about the Blackhawks tradition and everything else. And Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, my buddy TJ. And uh, the day that that went on all Blackhawk social media and everything, I sent him a text. I said, did Danny know he was sitting down with a lifelong Red Wings fan? And his simple reply was, I've been expecting this text since the day we <laughs> recorded this. I knew it wasn't going to get by yeah. you. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, he was great. In fact, I have an Eddie Belfour signed card here and a puck and Jersey floating around because uh, Goose Island scheduled a, a watch party between a Hawks and um, Red Wings game. And they brought in Eddie, Chris Chelios, Darren Pang moderated it and everything. And TJ's like, you need to get down here for us. I forget what I had going on. I think I was on vacation or something. And he goes, well, send me what whatever you want Eddie to sign. I'll, I'll make sure he does it for you. And, you know, so he might not be, he might be a Red Wings fan, but he still cares about Blackhawk fans. So he, he, he's not half bad. But uh, anyways, I, I digress. G- getting back to you in the game, you know, so so Crow, like you said, great friend, great guy in the locker room, a presence in the locker room. But uh, in the 2015 Stanley Cup run, you know, it just wasn't clicking for him in the Nashville series. And you come in and you just steal the series. Like the, the Hawks don't win if it's not for you. Blackhawk fans know it. There's that amazing save. You know, you just say Scott Darling Nashville save. Every Blackhawk fan knows what it is. Um, that confidence you had in that series, you know, what was that like? Um, it was just, uh, you know, they say ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I, 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 I was only, I played 14 regular season games that year and I didn't understand what I was stepping into. Like, thank goodness, mm-hmm. because I, I just kind of like, I don't even remember those games. Like I just kind of blacked out on adrenaline and just did the best I could. And, uh, you know, to this day, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a humble guy, but to this day, I'll be walking around the city and just like 2015, you know, that's all I hear from people. Like, you know, everyone, like you said, remembers that save. And, you know, I was, I was just lucky that I was ready to perform that way to hold the fort before Corey got back in game six and took, took over the show. And, you know, obviously it ended great. Yeah. And it's funny because there's saves I think about that I've made where I can close my eyes and like, I can still feel the puck hitting me. When you close your eyes and think about that save, is it kind of the same thing? You just you feel that puck hitting you, you know, in the past. Oh, I can I can feel it hitting my shin right now. Yeah, like, you know, um, and even that save, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I try to be humble, but that was an amazing save. And um, what it was just like, you know, no thought, like just yeah, you know, I I I've trained, I'm prepared for this, like I just it just happened, and. Uh, you know, that's the one that everyone mentions to me for, you know, probably for the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, Yogi Berra, he said something along the lines, like 90% of the game is reaction. The other half is mental. 
Um, and that, that's why we practice. We practice as hard as we do so that when we're in those situations, we just instinctively make those saves. You know, yeah, that, you don't you don't think it's just it's like you're you're conditioned to just do do the thing, you know what I mean? So yeah, um, they, they say that like ten thousand hour rule. Um all the practice I I mean, it took me twenty years to get to the point where I was gonna make that save, but I've been like practicing goaltending the whole time. So um, yeah, it it worked out. I remember talking to Kelly Rudy and he asked me, you know, when a guy was coming down to shoot on you, could you tell if he was right-handed or left-handed? And they said, I was looking at the puck and just reacting. Like the, the, the fact that there's goalies out there that can pick up on what hand stick they were, or, you know, some of that stuff, I might be thinking, is there a guy on my back door or is, you know, there's somebody over here, but I'm not thinking, how are they shooting or reading the puck? Out? I'm just reacting. It's just yeah, and that's how I played too. Because like a lot of guys are very methodical about you know I've played with so many great goalies, mm-hmm. um, and they're like you know lefty I'm doing this, righty I'm doing this, and like I I like to think of myself as like a middle between Ben Bishop and Pecorine, like in the middle, mm-hmm. like because uh, size and reactiveness, and it's like dude I couldn't tell you who shot what side, like whatever. It's like, I'm just staring at the puck. Like, I'm just going to make sure I keep it out of the net. That's, that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe bark out a few orders to my defenseman to uh, pick up somebody, but yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, so, you know, th- there's that series in Nashville and I know and listen to different, you know, talking heads and everything. There was a speculation of whether or not they would stick with you throughout the run or go back to Crawford. If they go back to Crawford, you know, what kind of message is that send to you? Um, as a fan, when they went back to Crawford, it was like, okay, yeah. But the way you handled it, and from what I remember hearing in the media, you were like, I, I would go back to him too. <laughs> um, you know, what What was that discussion like with Joel? And, you know, um, obviously it was the right decision when we yeah. look back at it in hindsight um, in that you guys wound up winning the cup, but you know, what was that like? And was it just uh, what's best for the team at that point? Yeah. I mean, Curl came back in in game six and like we came back and won the first round. And then, you know, uh, as you mentioned, I said, I was like, I'd go back with Corey too. Like I, <laughs> my, myself, I, I know my place like in hockey, like I'm not, I was never going to be a Patrick Wall, Marty Broder, Corey Crawford. I was like, I was just happy to be whatever I can be for the team. Um, and so when we went to the next round against the Wild, like Crow started game one, obviously. And I talked to Jimmy Wade, the goalie coach, and I was like, I, I was like, do you even think about starting me, you know, game one? He's like, no. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I, I, I would have I done the same thing. <laughs> you got to appreciate the, uh, the honesty there. And living in Minnesota, it just always warmed my heart when you guys beat the wild in the playoffs um, because it gives me bragging rights. In fact, I think it was in 2013. um, I may have put a Blackhawks banner uh, on one of my neighbor's houses after the series. Risky business. It it took some, some uh, bargaining to get, get the banner back. He was going to burn it, but uh, (laughs) yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we, we knocked him out like five years in a row, right? Yeah. It it was great. I, I remember, uh, one of those years, I, I had a buddy from high school that was up up here for work, so we went to a Buffalo Wild Wings to to watch the clinching game, and I happened to have a green Patrick Kane St. Patrick's Day jersey, 
So just for fun, I wore that to Buffalo Wild Wings because I know people would see the green and try and give me a high five. And then they would see the Indian head logo and it really confused them. Uh, <laughs> and every time the Hawks scored, you know, we, we would, uh, we weren't the obnoxious fans, but you know, we, we would celebrate and clap and we got a lot of nasty looks that day and God, was it fun. And of course they had a cardboard cut out of the Stanley cup at the front of the, uh, uh, restaurant. So when we were leaving, we, we made sure to stand by it and get a picture taken. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely cardboard if it's Minnesota. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a lot of fun picking on my, uh, beer league teammates uh, with that. In fact, I, I skate on a team that's mostly firefighters. So, um, Oh, I think I may have lost you there, Scott. Give you a second. Oh, there you are. Yeah, sorry, I got yeah. a phone call. Sorry. Oh, no, no problem. But uh, the team I skate on, it's almost all firefighters. And so I create, our team name is the Hosers. So I create a logo and everything. And then I was playing with jersey templates and came up with the jersey for us that we now have. It may be intentional that our jerseys look like Blackhawk jerseys just to make all these wild players wear them. Um, and, and they caught on to that too. But to my defense, all of their fire engines are red, white, and black, like Chicago fire engines. Mm. So that should be our team colors. And red, white, and black only looks good on that Blackhawk template. So, yeah, I, I did that on purpose. Get a couple wild fans wearing a Hawks jerseys. And now we got a new, new guy on the team that's a friend of mine who's also a Red Wings fan. And he's like, these are Blackhawk colors. These are Blackhawk jerseys, aren't they? I was like, yes, they are. And you get to wear one, buddy. Um so you guys get past Nashville, you get past uh, Minnesota, and, and you go on and you win the Stanley Cup, and, and you guys beat a heck of a uh, Tampa Bay team that some could argue them losing that one kind of put them on the trajectory they are. You're a kid that grew up in Chicago. You're wearing the Indian head sweater, and here you are at the United Center lifting Lord Stanley's Cup. I mean, even at this point, does it seem real? No, it's uh, <laughs> it's crazy. Like it, I almost got emotional just thinking about it. Like um, 2013, I was like in my mom's basement watching them win. You know, my family went to the two parades beforehand, like in the crowd, and to have them like come on the ice and be on the bus, not watching on TV, like doing a thing. It was it was very very special. And, and to have, you know, mom and dad there and riding on the bus, you know, instead of watching the buses, you guys are now on the bus and you, you're, you're looking out at that crowd. I, I can see how it could be special. Um, and it's, it's that, uh, that dream we all have when, when we uh, start skating as a little kid. And so if you get to live it out, but. Uh, you know, I know I, I peaked in 2015. I peaked. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if if I'm not mistaken, you're a Cubs fan too, right? Absolutely. So 2015, you lift the Stanley Cup, you ride the buses, and then 2016, like the rest of us, you get to watch the Cubs win in their parade, in their rally. Yeah. I mean, let, let's not kid ourselves. It made the Blackhawks one look like a high school pep rally. Oh, I know. It was. It was. It was. They won on a Saturday. And we had a 12 o'clock game on Sunday. So we all went out to watch the game together. 
and we had like the honor code, like no one's going out tonight. Like we have a 12 o'clock game tomorrow, yeah. you know, and they won and we're all like hamburgers. Like we want to go up to Wrigleyville and go celebrate with everyone. Cause like all the guys, like, you know, the guys who have been here for like a decade, they, you know, they became Cubs fans. They became Chicago guys. Like, um, and we all wanted to go up there, but we all looked at each other. We're like game tomorrow, we're playing at noon, <laughs> going home. And, and then, you know, we, we played the game and then you hear like, the stories of how awesome it was up in Wrigleyville, like a little bit of FOMO, but um, no, as a Cubs fan, I was, uh, I was lucky enough to, when we won the cup, we actually got to take it to Wrigley Field and be on the field Mm -hmm. um, for the game. And I got to throw out a first pitch. That was cool. I played baseball my whole life. So that was fun. Um, And yeah, I mean, the Cubs are struggling right now, like most Chicago teams. (laughs) Um, But um, Yeah, I'm a a lifer. I'm from the south side, but my parents are from the north side, so I was born a Cubs fan. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5.00 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at even bigger payouts. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THP- THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So I'm a Southsider, but I'm a Cubs fan. I can't stand yeah. the White Sox. Uh, in fact, in 2005, I was cheering for the Houston Astros. Um I, I'm that kind of Cub fan. I, I'm I'm all for Chicago unless it's the White Sox. Um, but everybody goes, well, how does that happen? And I said, it was easy. I grew up in the 80s when every Cubs home game was on, was on TV. Yeah. And they played at 12.05 every day when they were at home. So the White Sox, they played night games, 7 o'clock. And I had an 8 o'clock bedtime as a little guy. They said, and they were on cable. And we didn't have cable. So how am I supposed to watch the White Sox and become a White Sox fan? It, and then you throw in Harry Carey, Brian Sandberg, Andre Dawson, Rick Sutcliffe, Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi was my favorite Cub as a kid. Um, you, you got all these Hall of Famers, and somehow Joe Girardi was the one that was like that. But I was, I was a catcher, so that, that was my guy. Do you, do you know the game White Elephant that people play at Christmas? Yes, Okay, so I just met my girlfriend's family for the first time for Christmas, and we were playing White Elephant, and I opened up a White Sox bobblehead. I don't know these people. I literally dropped it on the table. <laughs> I'm like, you can steal it. You can do whatever you want with it. Like, I'm not touching this. <laughs> like, her uncles are all diehard like, uh, White Sox guys. I'm like, I'm standing by my Cubs fan. I'm like, you guys can have it. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it was funny in 2016 because I was the only kid like wearing a Cubs hat to school and all of that stuff and just getting picked on for it. I had one friend at school where he was like, I like the Cubs. I like the White Sox. I like anything from Chicago. He's still that way. 2016, all of these kids I grew up 
going to grade school with are talking about how they were lifelong Cub fans and this and that. And and I'm messaging them going, you were? This is news to me. And they're all like, okay, maybe not a lifelong Cub fan, but I really like yeah. it. it is, you know, but it, it was funny. But there was maybe two or three where they're like, no, I want the Cubs to lose and everything else. And I told them, I was like, I respect you. Because just like me in 2005, you're standing by your morals. It's like, I don't agree with you, but I respect you. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, yep. They're like, I respected you in 05 because you weren't going to just be like, oh, yay, Chicago. It's like, no, no. It's And the worst parade I've ever seen was the White Sox parade. What did they do? It through Bridgeport and, you know, a couple yeah. of guys came out of the bars and they're like, oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we, we got that going for us. So after you won the cup, you wind up in Carolina um, because you deserved it. You deserved that shot at number one. And with Crow, that, that wasn't going to happen in Chicago. And no, nobody can argue that. Um, I don't want to say you don't think highly of Carolina, but in, in one of your recent uh, comedy appearances out there, <laughs> you, you were pretty clear that uh, it's, it's not a uh, happening place to be in raleigh uh yeah i mean and also like i was terrible my first year with the canes and i i'm, I'm like team transparency i'll tell you how it is um uh, i i did not play well in my first season and you know you're young you're you know finally had your payday like you know and like i'm a city guy like i like going to nice dinners and stuff like that and there's just like nothing to do there it's like i was living in pleasantville um and everyone hated me because I played so bad my first season. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it was still a great place. Like, the people were nice. They were nice to me. Um, but I just didn't have, like, the best experience there. But it, it was fun to go do those five shows in Raleigh. And when I do <laughs> when I do stand-up, I'm kind of an antagonist. Like, yeah. to get the cr- get the crowd engaged. And so I was happy to like lean into <laughs> to Raleigh and get people, you know, that's how you get people like perk their eyes up and pay attention. Yeah. You know, some people, some people are there just like on dates and you know, whatever, but you need to like get their attention. So um, right. when I go, I've lived in most cities in this country. So when I, cause I'm touring with this guy. So I usually have something to say about every city that uh, we've been in, but it was fun to do Raleigh. <laughs> and I don't yeah. know if you saw it. They did that like backdrop behind me of the goal I let in. Like yeah, from, like from the far blue line. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because of that goal, I don't do hockey anymore. I do stand up comedy. Yeah, my, so my folks, when dad retired from the fire department, they moved out to Carolina Beach, just east of Wilmington. So uh, yeah. I, I've I haven't been to Raleigh yet, but the, I'm I'm going there in February for the Stadium Series game. So doesn't sound like we're gonna not worth staying no. more more than the day for the game. No, uh, go to Brewery Bavana though. That's the best place in Raleigh. It's the best food in Raleigh. I'm gonna write that down. Brewery Bavana. It's uh, one of my favorite restaurants. I'm, I mean, I've traveled the whole world, and that's one of my favorite restaurants ever. That's the only thing that Raleigh's got going for him. <laughs> other, other than a really good hockey team this year. Yeah, they they have been fun to watch. Um, I've been watching more and more of them on ESPN Plus uh, because I want to know who I'm watching when I go out to that game. Um, that's I, I love ESPN Plus because I get to watch more Blackhawk games, but I also get to see the uh, the 
intermission reports and the Blackhawks have a decent uh, intermission team. So that, that helps too. Yeah, we try. <laughs> I get to see you. So after, after the NHL though, you were playing in Innsbruck and from social media, it looked like it was a beautiful place. You're having a lot of fun. Uh, you had the great Danes out there, but then this pandemic hit and it, it makes, makes me wonder if it wasn't for the pandemic, do you think you'd still maybe be over in Europe exploring, playing and experiencing uh these new adventures um you know i i love playing in austria it was a, a beautiful place it's like a way different way of life when you think about the way like we have to be playing the nhl you go over there you know there's 40 games in your own bed every night it's a day trip like you know three hours like at max like to go to a game um and you're in the alps it's beautiful you know you make some money um I loved it, but yeah, that's when COVID hit. When I was over there, they, um, my my ex wife is a doctor, and I called her because she had moved back. She was there with me for half the season, and I was like, "What's a corona? Like, I don't know. Like, they just shut down half the downtown. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what was all starting to happen, and then all of a sudden, like, in our games, they're like no handshakes after the game. All of a sudden, they started canceling games, and they like canceled our whole season. And I was like. I got back four days before the travel ban to like come back and it, it was crazy, but I, I loved playing there. Um, and then I came back and the next season I was with the Florida Panthers and uh, cause Joel Quinville, like he's my mm-hmm. guy, he's like the best guy ever. Um, he was coaching down there, but then Charlotte didn't play that season. So they had nowhere to send their goalies. They had six goalies signed, nowhere to put them. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up going to Rockford, Shout out Rockford. Yeah. Um, um, and I was same thing. Like we're, I'm commuting from Chicago to Rockford. It's an hour and 20 minutes and every day for practice. And, you know, it's like, I'm making just enough to pay for my gas. And I was like, you know what? It's a, it's a time to call it quits. Like I'm ready for a new endeavor. Uh, I loved playing. I grateful for every second that I got to play hockey my entire life. But now, you know, I have I have hopes of doing other things in my life, like you know the second show kind of, and yeah. so it's uh, it's been it was it was a hard transition, um, but now you know I'm kind of like figuring out all these new things. Like broadcasting is very exciting, and the stand up comedy is very exciting. So it's uh, it's a you know a second second show in my life. Yeah, and you know it, you talk to any pro athlete, and once they retire, it's finding out what that next next act is um yeah you know and it, it's not always easy for them and for a while you were doing stuff with uh excuse me barstool chicago and you know so it, it was fun as a fan to still get to, to hear hear you out there and being honest about the game and everything else uh, but but then you stumble into this comedy thing when did that come about clear clearly you're just a naturally funny person uh but comedy isn't easy and uh, I, i've watched a lot of I'm not a comic myself, but I, I enjoy it. So I've watched a lot of comedians. I've watched a lot of uh, Jerry, Fine, Jerry Seinfeld comedians and cars. And, and you realize there's so much to that craft. So, you know, how did you wind up getting into it? So I've always loved comedy. I never thought I would do comedy. Um, but my, my first date with my now girlfriend, um, I went to the Laugh Factory to watch a show. Um, it's a big like venue in Chicago mm-hmm. and 
uh, this guy went up and he was freaking hilarious. Like my, my comedy is like very dark. Um, um, and he had a very dark sense of humor on stage too. And I was walking out to go to the bathroom and he noticed me, um, from playing for the Blackhawks and we became great friends now. I consider him like my mentor and he was like, just try it one time, like come out with me, open for me. And he's like, if you don't like it, I'll never ask you to do it again. And I, we drove to Gary, Indiana together and did a show and I was awful. Um, I did like an eight minute set and I was terrible, but I loved it. Like, I love the, uh, like the nervous, anxious anxiety. It, it reminded me of playing hockey. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, that rush you get up your spine because you're scared, but you're excited at the same time. And, you know, and since then I've just been gung ho. Like if I'm not broadcasting, I'm doing comedy every night. Like, so, uh, that's how I got into it. And I, you know, I thank him for that all the time and he, he helps me still to this day we go to shows together and stuff travel around but um he uh he was a ray westbrock in case anyone was listening uh he was uh the reason why i got into comedy now you know i, I mentioned it earlier the, the culture of hockey it go it's synonymous with drinking comedy it's kind of the same thing uh so how you know i how how have you been able to deal with that? Or are you just at the point where it's not even a problem anymore? You're just like, well, I actually, I drink now. I'm not, uh, okay. You know, I, I stopped for a long time to make sure I made the most of my hockey yeah. career. And, you know, the things I talked about that happened when I was 21, like, right. You know, it's, it's, you know, a decade ago. So now I'm, I'm Kenny kosher with like all that. Um, but it is different. It's a different lifestyle because like, it's a late night job, right? So comedy, you're out till two in the morning, broadcasting, you're out till midnight. And so I'm fortunate enough that I'm allowed to sleep until noon if I want to, <laughs> yeah. um, because I just have night jobs, but uh, no, you got to keep it all in check, right? So it's, uh, yeah, you never want to have too many and go up on stage and look like an <laughs> idiot. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm lucky I've never done that, so. <laughs> no, that... <laughs> Yeah, it's I like you said I, I love comedy, but it, it does have that. Uh, that yeah, most uh, most comics are sober, like yeah, you know, because I mean, comedy comes from like, been through it, kind of. Yeah, yeah, and so we all kind of have the same like stories, like like even my personal comedy. I I talk about real stuff that's happened in my life. Like I talk about you know my dad drowned, my mom had cancer twice, like I'm divorced, like blah blah blah, narcoleptic girl fell asleep on my face, <laughs> you know stuff like that um so comedy kind of it's like almost therapeutic to like tell these stories but in a, in a lightning way yeah well and in the the dark sense of humor helps you deal with it and i, I said because dad was fireman for 30 years in chicago and i went to the firehouse every chance i got with him in fact one of his firehouses was engine 103 three blocks from the united center right over by johnny's ice house um yeah that's right down the street from me yeah um Madison in Laughlin, uh, I believe, is where the house is at. Yeah, right? I, I can see the United Center from my house. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. But uh, dad has a dark sense of humor. That rubbed off on me. Uh, and, and sometimes my wife is like, what is wrong with you? Like, that is not <laughs> funny. This is not the time to laugh. I'm like, this is how I deal with things. Like, but she, she started to get it. She, she, we wound up watching uh, Rescue Me with Dennis Leary. Uh, dad hated it because he d- he doesn't like any of those fire shows because 
Yeah. They're not they're not like correct. Well, they're not correct, but they, they bring in like the soap opera side of it, all the love interest, but rescue me got the firehouse scenes correct. And <laughs> at and the I don't know if you've seen it or gonna watch it, but in the final episode, there's uh this instance with somebody's ashes uh, where it just goes poof, gets on everybody. Well, my mom passed away on mother's day and I was out in North Carolina. I was, you know, thank God my sister and I were out there with her when, when this happened. Uh, but I'm talking to my wife on the phone afterwards and she goes, well, what are you guys going to do? And I said, well, we're going to cremate mom. And she pauses and she goes, well, you guys aren't. I was like, no, no, we're not. We're going to let the professionals handle it. And then she goes, whatever you do, don't pull a rescue me. Well, it was about <laughs> two or three days after the fact. And uh, dad was having a rough morning. And I said, dad, I need you to watch something with me. And he goes, all right. What is it? And I, so I, I, I had it all queued up so we didn't have to watch the other stuff. But he's watching it and this happens. And he's like just laughing so hard he is crying. So then... <laughs> It, it, it did what it was supposed to brought a smile to his face. But then when we went to pick mom up from the crematorium, he, he looks at me, he goes, there's going to be no chewing gum in the car and the windows are staying up. And <laughs> I was like, all right, you, you got it, dad. But yeah, it's, it's taken my wife a, a while to get used to my dark sense of humor because of that. But uh, it, it still gets to her some days when me and my sister are going back and forth with it because we're not nice to each other. And and I've, I've always said, if we're being nice to each other, something's wrong, you know, and yeah, if, if I'm not chirping you, it means I don't like you. Yeah, <laughs> it, exactly. It's, you know, and, and I, I've said uh, I've had the uh, FDNY, two of the FDNY goalies on and two of the NYPD goalies on after their uh, rivalry game when it was on ESPN and then this past spring. And, and they agreed the closest thing to the firehouse or the police precinct is the locker room because that's where guys just chirp on each other and they're so mean and pick on each other, but it's when they're not being mean and picking on you that you need to worry. Cause then yeah, they don't, I, if, if they're not doing that, then they don't like you. That's what I said. It's like, my friends know if I'm, if I'm giving you a guff, it means I, I love you. <laughs> yeah. It's same. And, and it's, I, I'm not going to say it's a character flaw of mine, but it's just, it's the byproduct of growing up at the firehouse and in the locker room. Mm. You know, so, well, we've been talking a while and I want to be mindful of time. I end every episode with 10 questions. They're the same 10 questions I've asked all was 103 guests now. Um, so Eddie answered the same ones. Dane answered the same ones. First one is what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days where a coach just lost it? Craziest moment? Um, I don't think I've actually had one. I can think from a personal standpoint, um, I'll never forget the, I let the goal from the red line against LA Kings and the look that Joe Quenville gave me, it was like, you know, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> it was the first period and I had to play the rest of the game and I shut it down. We won three to one, but just like that look of disappointment, it was like your dad being mad at you at the dinner table. <laughs> it, yeah. It was one of those looks where he's like, I don't have to say anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I might have cried, but <laughs> that, that's why we wear masks <laughs> so people can't see the tears. Um, so what is your favorite all time goalie mask? 
probably my Wayne's World one. Um, other than that, I love I love Ola Kolzig's mask, the Colzillo yeah. mask when he was in Washington. Uh, and then Eddie's obviously the Eagle. You know, yeah, probably my top two. I I, I just had Colzig uh, on, and you know, I asked him about the mask. He said the first one looked like Barney the dinosaur. Uh, and he wore it and had a terrible game. And he goes, I never wore that one again. I went back to the painter and said, we need something else. <laughs> um, so what is your favorite rink that you've played at? Played at? Uh, honestly, I loved Vancouver. I loved playing at the band. The Canadian cities are all great. Uh, the new Edmonton rink is awesome. But yeah, I'd say Vancouver is probably my favorite place to play. For me, and you're going to know this rink, it was always Southwest Ice Arena. Yeah, back I back played, when they had played, the Oregon, played plenty of games there. <laughs> yeah, that that's why I learned to skate at the Murray Bannerman. Learned to skate. Yeah, my coach in seventh grade. Um, oh, th- this was a question I forgot to ask you earlier. Um, you made some disparaging comments about the city of St. Louis. <laughs> They're one hundred percent valid because I've been there. My niece just moved down there uh, this school year for law school. She grows up in Chicago. Spends 23 years in Chicago, not a problem. One week in St. Louis, her car was broken into and they tried stealing it. And a week later, like her bank card was stolen. It was like, so everything. Sorry, I lost you. Oh, I I think Uh, think it may have been my... But my my question was, was Detroit on that no trade list too? Because those those are the two cities I I would have had on my list, regardless of Absolutely. how good they were. Absolutely, I had fifteen teams that I could pick, and I did all the Canadian teams, all the teams in California, strictly for like financial purposes. <laughs> and then no St. Louis, no Detroit, nope. ever. And we're actually playing the Blues tomorrow, and so we're gonna get to relive that. <laughs> catastrophe that i said on the broadcast and i'm like me like i said i'm an antagonist like i don't care you can say whatever you want to me and so we're gonna double down on it tomorrow and i'm gonna read the mean tweets like from fans from st louis and stuff and i'm just gonna lean into it and because kelly chase wants to fight me and i'm like dude you're not even from st louis like you're from saskatchewan like grow up um and it's all for the fandom right like i don't actually hate st louis but it is a shitty town Um, yeah so I'm but, going but, to make jokes about it. <laughs> it. It's a crap town, but for some reason, Blues players, when they retire, love to stay there. Um, they do. Which a lot is of guys good do. Because it's done wonders for youth hockey in St. Louis. I have a college teammate who's from there, and he was actually the GM and coach of the Junior Blues for a number of years. And, you know, so. You know, it, it's it's great. Like, their success is like, and I've seen it, and like, I, I say this stuff like satirically, like I don't actually hate St. Louis, but their success has brought, there's been a lot of guys coming out of St. Louis, yep. like kid kids coming up. So it's great for the game of hockey. And like, it's, like I said, it's not actually a bad place. It's just um, easy to pick on, I guess. Yeah. You know, th- this is something you'll appreciate because when I think of the St. Louis blues, I think of Curtis Joseph and Brett Hall. Uh, because they they were Blackhawk killers in the you know mid nineties. Brett Hall's son Jude Hall was a goalie. Do you know who his favorite player was? 
Ed Belfour. Nice. <laughs> the black. Now, of course, it's because Jude's a little bit younger, so his dad was playing with Eddie when he was in Dallas. But for me, I just find it funny that St. Louis Blue legend, his kid's favorite goalie, was a Blackhawk goalie. <laughs> not, not, not picking Cujo. No, no. Which Did you happen to read Cujo's book? Yeah. That his what upbringing, a story. What a, yeah. I kind of like the guy now, which is tough for me to say for as much as I hated him as a kid. I, I love watching him play. He was a great goalie. Oh, yeah. His book, his book was very interesting. Like, what a life, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I read his book. Now, now I'm reading Hosa's. I got it back here. I'm a couple couple chapters yeah. in. So yeah, we just did the banner. We just did the banner raising. Hoss doggies have a life, man. He and he is the best dude ever. So I'm I'm happy for all his accolades and success. Yeah. So back back to the questions. What is your favorite goalie stick that you've ever used? Let's say the Curtis Curve. Oh, you used one of those. <laughs> when I was a kid, I, I used to rip the Curtis Curves. Uh, but, I mean, now just like the Warrior, like whatever, like Warrior makes great sticks. So, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I'm using a, a Colin Delia Pro Return right now, uh, which is a Warrior. And I, I got it because I had the trigger grip and I wanted to try it. And I kind of like it. Um, so what is your favorite youth hockey memory? Uh, playing the Quebec PB World Championships with um, Team Illinois. Uh, actually, we were, I don't know if it was TI or CYA, but we got to go to the World Championships as the Blackhawks. Oh, cool. So I still have, like, so we played in the NHL division, the top division. So, like, you know, Little Caesars played as the Red Wings. We played as the Blackhawks. And I still have my jerseys from the World Championships. And I was 33 when I was in seventh grade as in a Blackhawks jersey. And so yeah. it kind of came to fruition like later in my life. So that's that's probably my best memory. As I was gonna say, do you, do you have those two jerseys? Uh, just your Stanley Cup thirty three and your uh, Quebec Junior thirty three side by side hanging up on the wall. Not side by side, but uh, I, I definitely have those two jerseys from them. Uh, I wish I was in the basement. I'm showing my man cave. I got. I, I'm a hoarder, so I kept all my stuff from uh, playing in the NHL and all my masks and everything. Like so. Yeah, no, I, I, I would have done the same thing. I mean, I, I've only had a few masks, and I, I still have all of them. Um, and then I got the one I'm wearing now that's out in the garage in my stall. But uh, So what's the best chirp you've heard on the ice, off the ice, directed at you, not directed at you? Um, what's the, uh, the rating of this program? It, like, are we whatever, rated? Yes, yes, we can be. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was playing the Flyers one time. And we were down, it was like three to one. And this whole time, the whole game, this guy had been just like giving it to me every TV timeout. He was right in the tunnel so I could hear everything he was saying the whole game. Just the worst things you could think of. And it was finally the last TV timeout. And he was sitting there with like this beautiful girl. Like, like on a date, they were like two rows back, like right in the tunnel. And he's like, you know, saying all this stuff to me. And I lift up my mask. And I'm like, dude, I will, your girlfriend, like, remember what side of the glass you're on. And for some reason, like, the place went silent at the exact moment I said that. (laughs) And so everyone heard what I said. And the entire, like, three sections, like, erupted laughing at this guy. (laughs) And then I just looked at the girl and I go, and just skated back to my net. That's probably the funniest one I've ever been a part of. (laughs) <laughs> nice. You know, I, 
I, I never played on the stage you did, but you know, in high school and stuff there in the, even in college, there, there were sometimes fans there and I loved going into visiting barns and they would just get on you. And the more they chirped me, the better I played. Like I, I fed into it. It's like, all right, I'm playing yeah, I, well I, enough that they, they want to yell at me. Like, and if they were creative, I loved it. Oh, like when I was playing in Austria, um, there was one team in Italy um, in Balzano. So, and I, my team in Austria, we stunk. We we're the worst team in the league. I was getting like 60 shots a game, like usually losing like four to nothing, whatever. And so the whole stadium, the whole game, they were chanting, I don't speak Italian, right? So they were chanting, oh, my darling, oh, my darling, oh, my darling, Bofango. I didn't know what it meant. And I was like orchestrating them. I turned around <laughs> and orchestrate them. And then I guess Bofango means shove it up your ass in Italian. <laughs> and I was like, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like, I'm all about the fandom. I'm a huge soccer fan. Like I love like the fandom of that stuff. So that's funny. Um, and, and that is one thing European soccer fans have is like just, and it's because soccer, you can go long stretches without there being excitement so that they find ways to entertain themselves. Their chants are just next level, you know, and you see it a little bit in the Spangler cup. You're starting to see those videos come out and they, they have some of it. It's just, it would be, be nice to get more of that in North American hockey. So well, the, the, the Canes are trying to do it. They're doing the surge and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. They, they, they've got the surge. They, they do, you know, a few little things and I don't know. It's, it's good for hockey. I, I know there's uh, some, some commentators out there that aren't big fans of it, but it, it, the kids like it, the fans like it. So let's do it. You know, if you don't like it, you don't have to participate. Exactly. So what is the worst post-game beverage? Oh, I mean, is there one? <laughs> because after you're done with a game, anything, any fluid you can get in your body. Um, I don't know what the worst would be. Uh, I honestly, usually I can think of anything on the spot. I don't think I can think of a worse post-game beverage. I always like to have a soda after the game. I like to have like a Coke. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, since I play in the beer leagues, I, I, I like a nice ice cold light beer, but, uh, <laughs> that, that, that's, Sometimes if, if they bring it up, I might have one before the game to uh, just kind of ease the <laughs> nerves a little bit. Yeah, I, I I don't know why, but it's like just a one before the game just kind of relaxes me, and I always play better. Yeah, um, you get a little, get a little loose, a little liquid courage. Yeah, which for my beer league team, sometimes I need it because they're not very good, and I, I I say to their faces like I stick with this team because I like the group, not because we're any good. Um, you know, and, and they know it. I, we went. Over the uh, the fall season, but we still had fun. Um, so when you tape your sick, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? Uh, I go toe to heel. Okay, you are in the minority. Is there a reason you go toe to heel? No. Okay. See, <laughs> knowing that you started with the Curtis curve, I would have thought it would have been heel to toe because anybody who's used a Christian stick knows you have to like double up on the tape around that heel because yeah, it was just a sponge. That, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've said before on the podcast, you know, you owned a Christian stick. If you would untape your stick at night, load it up with wood glue and then put it in the vice overnight, just to like 
try and get a few more games out of it. That was the classic uh, Christian stick. So the last question, or no, sorry, two more. Um, I think I know the one, but I want to know the why. What's your favorite number to wear and why? Uh, 33. Um, like, I, I wasn't the biggest Patrick Watt fan, um, but I just I just like the number. So mm-hmm. I stuck with it. I, I wore 38 in college, uh, 37 in the minors, just because, like, other guys on the team had the numbers, so I couldn't do 33. And then when I got traded to Carolina – uh, forward Derek Ryan, I think he's in Calgary now. Uh, he was number 33, and I had to buy the number off of him when I got traded there. Uh, it was one night of babysitting and a $500 <laughs> Whole Foods gift card uh, to get that number. <laughs> That's not bad, depending on how good the kid was. Oh, I mean, you're talking in the NFL, like they're paying a million dollars for their number. Yeah, I'll I'll take babysitting so they can have a date night and a Whole Foods gift card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, babysitting for a teammate kind of puts you in good graces with uh, them as well. I think. Yeah. Um, so the the last question: What advice do you have for young goalies? Uh, for young goalies, work on your skating. Um, I've said this before. It's like it it sucks, right? Like you know, it's like yep. It's the most boring part of practicing to be a goalie, but it's the foundation for everything so do your skating drills get a couple on your feet and your edges do do that and the rest will come for you and it's just something i've always told younger goalies because it sucks like it's the most boring thing ever to do but that will build it's the foundation for you to do whatever you want to do after like thinking about being on your edges you know it's it's the baseline for everything you do as a goalie absolutely and i mean this name might not ring a bell for you, you know, and you, you got your start out at the Orland Park Ice Arena. It's Darren McCluskey. I went to his uh, <laughs> goalie camp, the Greater Chicago Goalie Camp. And even back then, we were focusing on the skating. Um, Darren was my goalie coach a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I've reached out to him trying to get him on the podcast. He's responded once, but as you know, he he's uh, – I haven't he's, I'm a, I'm happy he's still alive. I haven't talked to him for 20 years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he yeah. used to make me do he used to make me do up downs. Like he'd be like, all right, 50 up downs. I'm like, what? I'm like in fifth grade. <laughs> yeah. It was the up downs. It was from him that I learned how to stack the pads and properly recover. He was teaching us skate saves back then. Oh yeah. Um, toe up, toe up, skate saves. Yeah. Now, when when he was coaching you, would he make you guys all stand in, in your uh, crouch and like just skate around and try and push the skates yeah. out, knock the stick? Yeah. If you drop that stick, dropping a stick was catamount to you know murdering somebody. My favorite thing is like he had such a complex that like he would take my gloves and he would go in net for the drills, just like in his like windbreaker. Yeah, and like take my gloves and he would like take shots like yeah. From, I mean, we were kids, but like, and he thought he was all cool because I'm like, looking back, I'm like, these are fifth graders. <laughs> like, obviously, you can make the saves with just the gloves. I'm <laughs> like, you're he, a grown up. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, but he would have his shooters like rip them full speed, not like, yeah, nice and night. He's like, no, it's just all out guy. He was, I, I, I'm going to say he is because, like you said, hoping he's still alive, but it, there, there's a chance of the way he lives. It's, <laughs> You know, but uh, just one of the weirdest, goofiest 
you know, but yeah. nice guy at the same time. Yeah, no, exactly. He, he was always good to me, but his just like looking back on like the, you know, the career I've had now and like the different goalie coaches I've had from my life, looking back on my McCluskey days, or him and <laughs> him and Stu Gould were, yeah, uh, were, uh, yeah, good as Gould. Uh, very interesting uh, so methods when, of teaching goaltending. When you were going to uh, Darren, did he have the uh, Schmutt brothers? Is his shooters still? They were two referees. Uh, I I'm know one sure. of them was Mark, but uh, they were always refing my games. And it was funny because Mark, when the play was down in the zone, he would stand behind my net and like coach me <laughs> while play was in the uh, in the zone. But I remember we were playing Fenwick. Uh, it was at SIA. It was the end of the second period. I was down on the end away from the Zamboni, and there was a kid on Fenwick just kept hacking at my pads everything else trying to trip me and we were I, I was playing for brother rice in the late 90s we weren't very good of course they won the kennedy cup a year after i graduate but um this kid's just giving me the business the whole you know first two periods of the game right toward the end of the second period i just had enough so i stand up and i just cross check this kid in the back he goes down and mark is the ref down in that end and arm doesn't go up and the kid gets up and he's like, aren't you going to call a penalty? That's yes, everything else. And Mark goes, you've been an asshole to him all game. And I haven't called you for a penalty. Now you want me to call a penalty on him? He goes, I think you kind of deserved it. And at that, the Fenwick coach goes, he's got a point. <laughs> and like that, that was the end of it. And this kid just goes skating away, you know, all upset that I didn't get a penalty. But Mark, you know, later on and, in the game, he skates by, he goes, you can do whatever you want to that kid. You're not going to get a penalty for me. I don't <laughs> care. But if, if I wasn't, he always had a pocket full of um, Jolly Ranchers during games. And if I wasn't playing, he'd skate by and toss me Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> that's a, that's a good ref. Yeah. I was like, yeah. And it was, I only knew him because of going to Darren's goalie camps in the summertime. Those, those were fun. Well, Scott, we've been talking a while. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, you know, all the, the best to you in 2023 with the comedy. It's kind of been fun to follow you on social media to see, see it uh, taken, taken off. Uh, so that, that's fun. And uh, hopefully we'll keep in touch. Yeah, it was a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for having me on the pod. Um, you know, onwards and upwards for you in 2023. Yeah. Excellent. Well, have a great rest of your day. I appreciate it. Of course. When I looked ahead to 2023, I posted a few Instagram stories tagging different goalies I wanted to get on the podcast this year. Within minutes, Scott was messaging me and we were scheduling this episode. We'll see if I can get any of those other goalies on the podcast this year. Only 51 more weeks to go, so we'll see. Be sure to follow Scott on Instagram at scott.darling underscore 33. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some Wash Up Goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on the website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many shows to list here, but shows like the weekly nightly podcast, 
the Caps Chirp Podcast, and the Bob Matthews Podcast can all be found. If you're looking for something good to read, get yourself a subscription to Vintage Tendy Magazine. Published quarterly by episode 28 guest Brent Denure, the magazine takes a deep dive into a goalie, usually from the 80s or 90s. In the first six issues, they've covered Potvin, Fuhr, Chevalier, Thiebaud, Reggett, Van Beesbrook, and episode 20 guest, mask painter and designer Don Strauss. The latest issue zeroes in on Darren Pupa. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my episodes. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you're a brand that wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. Be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So, until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. Yeah.